1: President Donald J. Trump and I'm about to talk to him about allegations that he was involved with prostitutes in Moscow hello at CD media we are literally the tip of the spear from Ukraine to the vaccine to Brazil we've been at the tip of the spear on all these stories early so if you want to know what's going on in the world early before the rest of the news catches up watch CD media but you know what we have to make money so we do have ads on the sites But I know people don't like pop-up ads. They don't like ads. It's a problem. I mean, you get them on your phone, et cetera. If you don't like ads, you can sign up for our no-ad subscription, which is a few bucks a month. You get access to all of our sites, not just CD Media, but the Manhattan, the Miami Independent, the Connecticut Sentinel, the Georgia Record, Armed Forces Press, Tsarism overseas in Eastern Europe, and CDM Espanol if you speak Spanish. So all of these sites are available with no-ads. So sign up for our no ad subscription. You can find it on the website. There's a pop-up and also in the top menu. And and pay us a few bucks a month. Support free media. Support your children's future. Support the fight against the corrupt media narrative. Thank you very much. And now let's get to our guest. Welcome back to Information Operation. We've got a special guest today, uh, an interesting guest, which I think you'll find fascinating uh, Lieutenant Colonel Ivan Raikland, correct? Did I get the rank right, Ivan? Retired. Retired <laughs> <laughs> is with us. He's a former Special Forces officer, and uh, I guess you're not former because you retired, so you're still an SF officer. And uh, you've been very active in politics for the last few years since the stolen 2020 election. So
0: I like to call it. I've been very involved in making sure that our U.S. constitutional
1: principles are being adhered to by
0: all of our constitutional actors
1: well put so before we get started give us an overview of your background where who you are where you came from etc yeah so my background is you know 25 how
0: how far do you want to go back born in new york we don't need high school (laughs) (laughs) no i don't think i've ever publicly said like by the way for those trolls out there yes i was born in the united states which Uh, nowadays you may not consider it part of the United States, but it was when I was born there in 1976, New York. I was born in New York city. Anyway, uh, you know, did there, grew up in upstate New York and then moved out to Iowa. Uh, ended up going into ROTC college right up there. And then before I did ROTC, I enlisted, did 11 Bravo, right? Infantry a little bit. Uh, but most of my career over the, you know, the 25 years that transpired since that point, Having, you know, has spanned essentially, you know, enlisted, officer, tactical, operational, strategic intelligence, uh, whether it be human intelligence, counterintelligence, analysis, or teaching, uh, all of that in the collective. Then I also had an opportunity to serve as a detachment commander, special forces, also a company commander, had a great time as a company commander. Uh, And let's see here, deployed, countering ISIS, Taliban, MS-13, Russian aggression. Uh, did wow. some cool, yeah. You know, like I always say, I did some cool stuff. Uh, in that capacity, whether it's in leadership, whether it's an in intelligence profession, whether it's uh, let's see here, where else did I, as a military attaché, I served mm-hmm. as as well. Really, what what country? Uh, Tbilisi, U.S. Embassy. Ah, interesting. Tbilisi, Georgia. Got it. Yeah. So the Republic of Georgia it was in two thousand seven. It was a reserve stint. So. So right
1: before the action got started over there.
0: Yeah, I was thinking that the action was going to start in the fall of 2007.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And again, as an analyst kind of reviewing my thought process, the reason why I was wrong in my assessment that it was going to be in 2007 is I didn't factor in a really strong, yeah, a big piece of data, which was 2008 was when the Sochi Olympics, right? Uh-huh. Right. Or not Sochi, uh. The Beijing Olympics were occurring. So the calculus there was uh, from if you're putting on the red hat, you know, Russia wanted to make sure that they could control the publicly outwardly facing narrative of what was going on in Georgia. And the best way to do that was to do it in 2008, because the entire globe's media would have been focused on the Beijing Olympics. And that's exactly when that all transpired.
1: Well, that's a whole nother story we can talk about some other time. I mean, there's still people living in, you know, temporary housing over there uh, in the territories south of Abkhazia and and uh, what's the other one? Uh, south of Abkhazia. De- yeah. Abkhazia. Yeah. Then. Uh, yep. That's an interesting story. So let's get right to it. You, you have been vocal, I should say, about uh, Kevin McCarthy not becoming speaker of the house. Oh, yeah. The other uh, thing is
0: when I wasn't on active yeah. duty, I became a lawyer. So ah. focused on constitutional law, national security law. And so just put all that stuff together into one batch, right? So from the analytic side, working in our special ops and intel community, and then working as a, you know, in leadership role to be able to, you know, whatever have you from that perspective,
1: yeah. and then also as
0: an attorney. So operational planning, intel analysis, and then the legal analysis and that framework of constitutional law. So then I took to – in 2020, I started to go ahead and start getting involved in remedying the 2020 election,
1: mm-hmm. and I'm
0: still continuing that process. Yeah, we so uh, all are, yeah. Kevin McCarthy goes. Uh, I ended up – let's see, where do I start with him? <laughs> so I created a Substack series known as Kevin McCarthy, count, uh, subject of counterintelligence investigation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the reason why I did that is because – I don't think any of our leaders have ever really gone through a public scrutiny in a somewhat professional manner, you know, just like you and I held clearances, right? Mm -hmm. You have to go through a a process by our intelligence community to determine whether or not you're a national security risk or not. Well, obviously, that wasn't done on the current guy squatting in the White House. That is an agent of the Chinese Communist Party, right? And all all
1: the the minions below him.
0: Right. All the minions that he appointed below him yeah. and then also the number two. So at a time when we're our, all of our institutions failed us over the last two years that started off with that, you know, 2016 that Mike Pence supervised with the whole illegal spying on Trump all the way through to Mike Pence leading the CCP 19 task force and promulgating those policies alongside of Jared Kushner to destroy the country and the economy, you know, murder a lot of people and
1: then finally, yeah, I I, that's all coming out now about pence's involvement and in, you know as far as it,
0: deep down it went
1: um all yeah i like to say stuff. that i'm
0: probably the guy that's been beating the drum for years yeah, about it yeah. and it's finally it, you, are you hearing it in other areas
1: other than just me well i, I just uh I, I don't remember specifically where i've heard it but i've seen it other places um i i guess maybe it's just the consciousness that it's coming to you know that's starting to come out maybe it was on bannon i don't remember but good uh, good finally because yeah, yeah i've been i've been very aggressive About trying to get
0: that, the evidence that I have to support that, right? Mm -hmm. And it's getting, I'm I'm glad that it's getting in front of some folks like, you know, your Bannons, because they have a Mm -hmm. a lot larger audience, obviously. But having that in the background, you know, the Pence, and then he finally was successful in the uh, temporary coup that we're currently under uh, by consummating that illegally certified election, violating the 25th Amendment by ordering General Milley around. General Milley receiving an unlawful order to deploy the national guard. there's, there's a whole milieu of issues. I don't know how, if you want to go into those as well, we
1: we have time. I have a question for you. What do you think that coin was for? He got on the, on the house floor.
0: I don't know anything about that coin that, I mean, that's symbology. A lot of people have their theories. Uh, Yeah.
1: I can't, there's
0: really not enough evidence to really have me sway in any of the hypotheses that are out there. It could be, you know, the most benign thing is just, Hey, you know, this is for you being a vice president and somebody, I can't remember who, who handed it over to him. It could be as something as inconsequential as that, you know, thanks for your service as vice president to more nefarious. Hey, good job. This is literally a publicly videotaped on C-SPAN.
1: Yeah. A bribe. R- for Really uh, bizarre. I thought. Certifying an
0: illegally, you know, illegal election there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But go ahead. I interrupted you. Go ahead. Yeah. It
0: wasn't bizarre. wasn't in a, you know, it was bizarre, but I don't know. Right. Yeah. Okay. Without doing I'm a deeper serious. dive on where uh, I can't like, there's no evidence to I got it support or really refute the any hypothesis other than what we just saw.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now,
0: January sixth. Always, I always got to break it back to January sixth because I I've been arguing for ye- years now, right? <laughs> Pretty much two years almost that. It was a facilitated, unlawful entry spearheaded by Nancy Pelosi. Because here's the deal. Nancy Pelosi has everything to gain and nothing to lose. And she's able to lay all blame on anything that happens on President Trump. Mm -hmm. And same thing with Mike Pence. And here's why. So if Nancy Pelosi requests, or I should say, if the people around President Trump are telling him that he needs to go ahead and deploy and support the National Guard right, and get them over to the Capitol. If he does that, that would be considered historically as a violent overthrow of the government and the constitutional process. Because he does not have the authority to do anything as it applies to the territory owned and controlled by the Article 1 branch of government, the legislature. Mm-hmm. The only time that he can do anything as it relates to his executive branch, DOD, DHS, DOJ, right, all those folks in the executive branch, Article 2 branch of government, is if the Speaker of the House or the Senate Majority Leader slash Senate pro tempore requests it of the President to go ahead and Utilize the National Guard to then deploy to the Capitol. Absent that request, you can't do anything. So when people are saying, oh, the three hours and 47 minutes that President Trump was sitting there doing nothing. He was waiting on the call for Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. Never came. And why would Nancy Pelosi make that call? She wouldn't want to make that call. Right, Because she wants to make sure that everybody that is attending and supporting President Trump, the upwards of a million people that showed up that day throughout the entire day, uh, she wants to label them. So does Mikey Pence if he wants any chance at 2024, right? Label them as what? Domestic, violent, whatever. Guess where the violence came from? Yeah. Four election integrity attendees that day. Who are peacefully exercising their First Amendment on the outside of the Capitol, and one that was peacefully exercising her First Amendment inside of the Capitol as part of that election integrity rally, were extrajudicially slaughtered yeah. by our federal government. And when I say federal government, I say that loosely because Washington, D.C., although, yes, it is a district, it's a quasi federal government entity meaning lila morris the police officer that bludgeoned and murdered roseanne boylan yep that's one extra jud- judicial killing uh um ashley babbitt who was murdered by a u.s capitol police officer michael bird also right murdered and then you had two other individuals that were murdered on the outside of the capitol you know and it was done by capitol police throwing the grenades over yeah. the capitol police again was anybody arrested for having were they armed no none of these people were armed but yeah they were murdered yeah. guess what we didn't hear about that nor did do we ever hear about the did we ever get our day in court in the courts on the merits no about the illegal election did we ever get our day in court in the house of representatives in the joint session no for a couple reasons one When Nancy gavels in and and Mike Pence, old pious one, Mikey P says only 11 members of the House and Senate Republicans, Democrats can participate in the joint session due to the advice of the sergeants at arms, who I argue that Paul Irving, the House sergeant at arms, was also complicit in this plan. Uh, Due to that and the medical officer's advice, they didn't even have a quorum. Yeah, the quorum requirement is not a function of the House rules. It's a function of the 12th Amendment, because the 12th Amendment stipulates that a quorum requirement under the joint session, the only place that is referenced in the Constitution, is two thirds of the states need to be present to be represented in the joint session. There's your 12th Amendment violation by Mikey Pence, and this downstream from that, since Mikey Pence and Nancy Pelosi are federal actors, that is a Fifth Amendment due process violation. So I always come up, you know, I always identify problems, the what other people haven't, and then we come up with the unconventional path to remedy it. And, and since Kevin McCarthy was part of the process and part of the team that decided to only allow 11 members of the House, Democrats, Republicans, 11 of the Senate Democrats, Republicans, because it was done with the leadership's approval, according to Nancy Pelosi. This is all, by the way, on C-SPAN. As yeah. you're in explaining all this. Yeah. So in agreement with Kevin McCarthy, this is what Nancy did. Nancy, Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell, Chucky Schumer, and then acquiesced to by the presiding officer, Mike Pence. They all collectively each are complicit in that 12th Amendment violation. Because guess what? They're the ones that can then order their respective sergeants at arms. And then the Secret Service detail that are with Mikey Pence to enforce The illegal promulgation that over 90 percent of the Congress cannot participate in the joint session. Do you see how big that is? You're literally denying over 90 percent of Congress from participating in the joint session that they're supposed to participate in. Three minutes after Mike Pence says, I don't have the authority to unilaterally deny the electors, he unilaterally denies over 90 percent of Congress. Well, I
1: have to tell you, Ivan, I I haven't realize that it's two years later and I'm I've been trying to beat oh. this
0: drum for two years
1: yeah yeah this is why but I know
0: I'm just what? telling you what I saw on C-SPAN yeah and I look at the Constitution and I see that that's not a legal yeah. path so what does that mean for Mike Pence
1: what do you think well I think it's obvious Mike Pence is uh, you know not in it for the people of the United States or who his, who, what his agenda is, you know, is to be I'll, determined. I'll tell you. Well,
0: so that is only the beginning of, yeah. of the nightmare of Mike Pence. We already talked about how he was, he was the one that prom- promoted the policies that made money for his friends that would be able to get him in a position to go ahead and run in 2024 and win. Mm-hmm. What, what did he do? Number one. He doled out and made the decisions on the contracts for remember the ventilators? Yeah. With his friendly governors, Sununu, New Hampshire, Dougie Ducey in Arizona, Brian Kemp down in Georgia. Ooh. Do those come to mind when it comes to the 2020 election? They do. Yep. Next, what did he do? Dole out contracts on face toilets, right? On who was getting face toilets in which states? Because as a as a CCP 19 uh, White House coordinator. He was making those decisions yeah. And with all the governors. Next up, because he it wasn't just like he wasn't selected. It was me, 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 Mr. President, peak me. I want to do this so he can probably get these policies. And then what happened next? Big pharma, right? 15 days to stop the spread. Well, guess what? We need 17 days to stop the spread of communism starting January 3rd. And Kevin McCarthy does not, not, not need to be there as a speaker. So what happened later that day on January sixth? Mikey Pence ordered General Milley. Under what authority? Does a vice president?
1: Well, I, before you go on, on I, I have a question for you. I mean, Milley's not a line officer; he's a staff officer. So, how is he making those kind of decisions? I'm just curious.
0: How is he uh, make? How, no, even before that. Yeah. I want like don't forget that component because I want to hit yeah. that too. Thank you. Yeah because you know the context <laughs> number 1 if you're given a, a direct order by the chief of staff of a unit when the chief of staff has not received that delegative authority to do so is that right. a lawful order right correct yeah is it
1: or no oh no it's not there's it's no not a a lawful authority. order yeah there's no commission now when court, the yeah.
0: constitution of our nation says that the only person that is the Commander-in-Chief and the only person that can order the Secretary of Defense around is the President, right? Where does it say in any of our laws that the Vice President is in the chain of command that can give orders to the Department of Defense, Department of Justice, or the Department of Homeland Security? That doesn't, yeah. You see where the problem lies for Mikey Pence? Yeah. Yeah. General Milley under oath before the Mike Pence J6 cover-up committee, as I call it, that was just disbanded, and they came out with their J6 cover-up report, and again, it was headed up by his running mate for 2024, a gal by the name of Lizzie Cheney, okay, she testified, I wouldn't say testifies, because nothing that they say can be considered as truthful, it's just sounds, so the sound that she made at one of the hearings There was a couple of sounds that she made, and it sounded similar to this. It wasn't Donald J. Trump that ordered DOD, DHS, and DOJ around on January 6th. It was Mike Pence. Hmm. And then later on, when General Milley was making sounds before the committee, which technically he was under oath, so let's just say that statement was accurate, he said the following. Hmm. Mike Pence was clear and unambiguous when he was directing us and giving orders, hmm. as it applies to January 6th. So, illegal order issued, according to Liz Cheney and Millie Illegal order received, according to General Millie What should be the consequences?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, there should be a court-martial. In my opinion, I've been calling for accountability in point of a military court for some time, and on all these issues. Yeah,
0: I think at this point, I like that's a good transition here. Mm -hmm. Do we have Article Three courts, right, judiciary? Do we have Article Two courts in the executive, where there's like an appeal process, right? Yeah. Do we have Article One courts?
1: I'm not a legal mind. I'll let you answer your question. We could. Yeah.
0: And guess who needs to spearhead that? I don't know. The Capitol Police Board? Mm-hmm. Sergeant at Arms on the House side? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Sergeant at Arms on the Senate side, maybe? Mm-hmm. The Capitol Police Board in the Collective where you have the Capitol Police Chief? Uh, because this literally, the illegal order that was given and the illegal order that was received and implemented and executed on it was an affront on our Article One branch of government's procedure under our constitutional framework in order to certify an election. So I, I argued that the the egregious act occurred, yes, on our entire country, but specifically on the constitutional order and process of our article one branch of government. So that should be the entity that brings to bear the transgressions of the executive branch members, the vice president, the presidency, and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, which is a subordinate to the Office of Secretary of Defense, because the executive branch is not in a position, right, to do anything about it, considering one and two is captured. Article three branch of government, you could argue, yeah, That should be a separate equal equal branch that takes that on. But usually the courts do not get involved in disputes between the two branches, right? Mm -hmm. Well, there needs to be accountability because that 800 and whatever 50-page report glaringly did not talk about. I mean, it was like red flags to me as I'm reading through it. It's like not a single mention of what I just talked about. Yeah. I mean, let alone, like, they didn't mention any of the illegal certifications at the precinct county state level where they conducted their elections outside of the uh, election laws of the state, thus triggering that Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 violation where it's the states have to conduct their uh, transmittal of their electors according to their legislative, the the state legislature. Let me ask you, how how does their recent
1: changes to the Electoral Count Act impact all this, or does it? Do you know?
0: So I haven't seen what those... Changes are, uh-huh. uh, I saw some of the headlines. Uh, the reason why they did that is specifically, and I want somebody to, to prove me wrong on this. Until somebody proves me wrong on this, this is my thought on it. The reason why the Electoral Count Act changed is because when they did this whole investigation, they were also investigating me. I've been mm-hmm. investigated, Todd, by DHS, those three, the three, and four entities, DHS, I'm on secondary screening when I fly. Yeah. Always.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're trying to trap
0: me into something. Number two, the DOJ through the FBI, I'm probably still under some sort of FBI investigation. And maybe that's why my Twitter's not back. Hmm. Even though I did get an email a couple months ago from Facebook saying that I was under an invest. like an FBI tried to take all of my content on Facebook to see if they could do anything with it to, you know, lay some sort of a crime on me, meaning like wrong thing, right? All I've been doing, First Amendment activity in my personal time off duty. Right. I've been very like careful about it because I knew I would get to this. Right. Because I wanted to push it to this point to see, hey, let's find out where the First Amendment ends and your tyranny starts. And I've been forcing them into a lot of unforced errors. Well, I should say forced errors, but um so and then FBI army, obviously, with my reserve capacity when I was in the contract companies that I was with. Everybody was investigating me, but they couldn't find anything. So the best that they could do is uh, deny me access into buildings. Like I can't go on a military base.
1: Even uh, though you retired. Yeah. What about, what do you do for medical care? champus or something?
0: Uh, luckily I haven't had to. Yeah. So I'm denied everything. I can't go commissary. I can't do anything. Yeah. Because I'm in the status of, they didn't take, they didn't touch my clearance stuff, but they they, Deny me access based on local determination of, like, whatever. Yeah. Whatever they want to say. And the only way I can push back against that is to actually file you know, a lawsuit. And then by the time I get to the point where they see that they're going to lose, they're going to do just like they did with the, the clot shots, right? They'll back off. Yeah. Well, it's a lot yeah. of time and energy. Meanwhile, yeah. I, could, I could be expending my time and energy in making sure that we, we yeah. win the house to then right. crush them, right? Right. But can't crush them because they... Mitch McConnell just passed the 1.7 trillion dollar cover up of the cover up of the cover up, so it'll be it won't be until it buys them more time. The censorship, the the bill that they passed, all of this buys time. So it only escalates our resolve to go ahead and crush the commies in our system, right? So for sure, that's why I'm on your show, and like I'm literally available to do any show whatsoever to expose all of it, because that's where we get our power. Is the more people that are you know wake up and that get let's just you know get activated mobilized to yeah. go ahead and push back that that's really the most longer term path because what they did to us is ideological subversion using the yuri Bezmenov model and we just have to reverse
1: that with
0: our content and we're i mean i think we're we're on up uptick on that because we're making we progress we for, sure. Win,
1: right? we're, for sure right we're gonna have our best month ever at cd media so i'm excited but it's gonna be a big year in 23 yeah. i'm
0: glad you're saying that can you share like, real quick like your growth what have you What have you seen in terms of growth since the massive censorship of January 8th of 2021? Well,
1: look, I mean, I was at the Washington Times. I wanted to do this. Uh, you know, I started doing a lot of coverage in Eastern Europe and Ukraine. I wanted to do it for the Times, and they just didn't see what I wanted to do. So I started it myself. But, uh, you know, so that started several years ago that effort but in 19 we started cd media and then in 2020 we were completely deplatformed. so we hit you know a million plus in 2020 early and then we got smacked down they took away all our distribution uh you know we got kicked off 22 silicon valley platforms within a period of days and so we're wow. ba- we, we got kicked down to about 300 000. so now we're back you know approaching two million so, <laughs> you know, we're, we're recovering so yeah so i mean and that's I'm without any dependence on their platforms you understand right. so i mean it's so huge. we've rebuilt our distribution so we, you know consolidate reorganize and
0: reconstitute like right. i said you're an example of they bought time with the massive yeah. censorship that jim baker probably was the one deciding on saying hey cd media yep poof yeah jim baker being the guy over at twitter yeah. Previously, the general counsel at FBI that launched Crossfire Hurricane against Trump and Flynn and Carter Page, all that illegal spying, the defrauding of the FISA court was probably signed off by the general counsel of the FBI, who then went over to Twitter to start that censorship campaign, and he probably created, the, you know, he probably talked to all the other Silicon Valley. Uh, oh, it was a tech it, companies.
1: There'll be news on that in a week or so, and I'll I'll let all you the know. collusion. Yeah,
0: yeah. So here are the key players: Jim Baker. Yo Roth, you know about uh Vijaya Gade over at Twitter. But then who was at the San Francisco field office for the FBI? It was not only uh what's his name? Uh Chang. What's his name? Uh Fred is it or no? Uh, uh Elvis. Elvis. Elvis Chang. Chang. And then guess who was at the San Francisco field office, Todd?
1: Remember Tell the me. guy
0: by the name of Joe Pietka the third? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. The second. FBI agent that interviewed Flynn in January 24th of 2017 with Peter Strzok.
1: Mm.
0: He was sent over to the San Francisco field office as the lead CI supervisory special agent. Wow. I think he was number three or four in that field office.
1: Yeah, it's it's been what a is challenge. Was he
0: providing and... top cover and the conduit between the, uh, what is it, the, what's that
1: uh, organization,
0: the Foreign Influence, FIFC or something like that, organization? It was in the Twitter files, right? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. all these guys, they just come up back again. And it's uh, it's on me and you to expose them because we know what questions to ask based on our background. And we know who to ask. And so then when you connect the pieces, because most of these 20, 25-year-olds over at the slime New York Slimes or Washington Compost, right, or the, you know, Ross. They're just Ridge, propaganda. I mean, they're, they're,
1: they becoming, irrelevant. they're becoming irrelevant. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, because everybody's
0: moving over to you know pro- platforms like this, and I love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And that's kind of where the influence happens because people want the truth, and eventually, you know, that the the Mockingbird media can only say conspiracy theorists so much because the more we're out there creating content, the more people are like, well, let me see hmm, this individual speaking in a very measured, moderated way doesn't not massively emotional and right, right, right." And it makes sense. And he's, he's bringing receipts. So anyhow, that was a little tangent that we went on. But going back to the, more, the, the worst activity by Mike Pence on January 6th was his 25th Amendment violation. Hmm. By actually ordering, you know, providing those illegal orders to then have violent or violent capability to go ahead and disrupt the airing of the Electoral College process, they basically made sure that over 90% of Congress didn't participate, and they didn't allow them to air the grievances of the, the constitutional process known as the Electoral College. Which election. would have wakened up a lot of American people. Yeah. So think about this. Everybody was going to be watching C-SPAN, right? I mean, it would have had, like, World Cup, Final, Super Bowl, World Series every professional sports thing combined in terms of viewership on C-SPAN that day. Yeah. Cause everybody knew it was like, it's up in the air. It comes down to Kevin McCarthy and Mike Pence on how procedurally they're going to allow the objections to be ruled because once the evidence is out, that's when people are going to be like, Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. This is totally illegitimate. Can't certify this. The reason why I know this, I mean, I was in the run up to January 6th. I was communicating with members of Congress and telling them you don't have to show, foreign collusion, foreign fraud, like that may exist, but you don't have to show any of that. The only thing that you need to agree on to be able to object at a minimum is the constitutional framework. If you can agree that the states ran their election procedurally, not according to the state's election law, that means it went against the state legislature. So the the non-state act, non-legislative actors of the state usurped the constitutional power of the state legislature of that state and it is incumbent on you to protect article two section one clause two of the constitution at the federal level because we're all here to defend it meaning you're defending that state legislature from the overreach of the non-legislative actors so you need to send that's what i argued on december 23rd with the pence card memo that was incumbent on mike pence to send it back to the states to say hey Run a new election according to your election law without this COVID nonsense, unless the legislature allows the the COVID nonsense, then it's good. I guess technically there'll be other issues, but uh, for purposes of this argument, uh, it was legislature. And then number two, uh, other option is that they abstain. Number three is that they just have a joint session of the legislative body to determine the allocation of the electoral votes from that state. And they could have reaffirmed the illegally certified ones. But that would have been a legal constitutional uh, superseding of the underlying illegalities if the joint session of the state legislature did it. Well, he didn't do that. And so when he ordered the DOD around acting as though he was the president, you look at the constitution. I wonder what the
1: paper trail is for that. I mean, orders you, take legal paperwork. You know, I mean, so. No, good. no. So
0: in order for it, the only way that he was able to do that, Mike Pence. Is if he actually invoked the Twenty Fifth Amendment Section Four? I see, which which means for those that don't remember what that is, it's the removal of the president with the vice president's move with the cabinet, the majority of the cabinet holding a vote on the removal of the president. Yeah, here's the catch. Like one argument that I was making was potentially, hey, maybe they did it in a covert fashion, where they didn't let anybody else know. Well, that's problematic because Section 4, later on, the last clause there, I think it's the last clause, talks about how in order to consummate that removal of the president, the Constitution requires that a memo be transmitted to the Speaker of the House and the Senate pro tempore, which is, was uh, Chuck Grassley at the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So they had to memorialize it. How do we know it didn't happen? Because Speaker Pelosi the following day basically said, hey, we need to do it. Mike Pence, you need to exercise your 25th Amendment against Trump. So if the Speaker of the House is saying publicly that the vice president needs to do it, that's evidence that it wasn't done.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So yeah, then all you, you violated the 25th comments, Amendment. Yeah. All the when stuff. violated the, the 25th Amendment.
0: Out. That is a coup. That's, yeah. That is a coup d'etat. And then people that conduct coup d'etats that are caught, uh, I mean, that's treason. Yeah. And so then when people are arguing like, oh, poor Mikey Pence, the people that were conduct- you know, exercising their First Amendment and participating in the election integrity rally on January 6th were calling Mike Pence a traitor because they were there bearing witness to his treasonous act, whether it be barring 90 percent of Congress from participating in a lawful joint session Violating the Twelfth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, and then subsequently, when he ordered, with well, with the tweet and like everything that I just discussed, people saw yeah. it, bore witness, and that's why they were calling him traitor. It wasn't yeah. because of he didn't support Trump. Yeah, he didn't support Trump. Whatever. It yeah. was this unlawful, unconstitutional behavior that was treasonous. Wow, he participated in ordering the violent overthrow of our constitutional process.
1: That's now, the he, now he wants to be president. <laughs> that? Now he wants to be president.
0: Unfortunately, in one of my sub stacks, I lay out how he's already locked in with his people, 275 electoral votes. Huh. I explain it by state and by individual and all that. Yeah.
1: But well, let's move on to
0: McCarthy. Why, why, why do I start with that? Yeah. Because Kevin McCarthy was complicit in everything that I just discussed. He was part of that conversation. So was McConnell. But more importantly, it was McCarthy because he was in the House, right? He's in the House chambers uh, and he is. So. The leader of the party that has the majority of the states vote by delegation under the same 12th Amendment is considered what I call what I call majority state delegation chair. So while Nancy Pelosi is the speaker of the House. At the time, January 6th of 2021, there were 27 states where the delegations by state were Republican. 20 were, I believe it was 20 or 21 were Democrat, and then two or three were tied, where there was like eight and eight or nine to nine members of the House from both parties in that state's delegation. Why is that important? That's important because under the 12th Amendment, if no one get during the objection period, I argued that once the objection happened, they would break out into the respective chambers and the House could vote one state, one vote on the objection or one person, one vote. And there's no precedent for it. The only guidance we have on the voting process of of the Electoral Count Act in, in the Congress is one state, one vote, according to the 12th Amendment, for a contingent election it says nothing about objections. So Kevin McCarthy. And I had transmitted it to him and Mikey Pence through his staffers in the run-up. And I argued, once the objection occurs on Arizona, at the conclusion of the two-hour objection period where you present the evidence, the de- uh, Nancy Pelosi is going to hold a vote. And because they had a majority one person, one vote, that would have resulted in you know the objection not sus- being sustained or, or continuing. But then Kevin McCarthy should have called the vote under the majority state delegation framework where he had the majority, Republicans had a majority. And then when they came back into the joint session, when Pence gavels in, he asks, what's the ruling on the motion uh, on the objection? Pelosi stands up and says, it's dismissed. And then Kevin McCarthy stands up and says, point of order, Mr. Vice President or presiding officer. And he would have said, No. The objection is sustained, meaning it stands, meaning the 11 electoral votes from Arizona will not be counted.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then Mikey Pence would make the decision in consultation with the House parliamentarian, which would have made some sounds, and the Senate parliamentarian, which would have made some sounds to him. And he would say, it didn't matter what they would say in advice to him. He would look at the House parliamentarian and say, great advice, but your rules as the parliamentarian in the house, apply when the house is in session by itself, not during this joint session. I'm the presiding officer. Mm. I get to rule on things like this, on these tie break issues. And then on the left, same thing in the Senate, the Senate parliamentarian is only binding in the Senate when the president of the Senate is inside of the Senate chambers. So as vice, as the presiding officer, Mikey Pence should have said, great, The only guidance on the vote that I see is from the 12th Amendment, and it says, you know, one state, one vote on the contingent election. I'm going to go with that guidance and apply it to the objections as well, since the Electoral Count Act doesn't say if it's one person, one vote or one state, one vote. Gotcha. And then I, as presiding officer, Mikey Pence says, 11 electoral votes from Arizona. Objected to multiply that by right, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Jordan. Georgia, yeah. creating that contingent election and then having that same vote, one state, one vote, thus a re election. Did Kevin McCarthy do that? No, he did not. He didn't do that. Did Mike Pence do that? No, he didn't. And so that's why I'm saying when you have a Kevin McCarthy that participated in these un- not only unconstitutional acts, but not having the courage to challenge to make sure that the constitutional disorder was remedied through, you know, through a bold move to say, hey, we're going to do one state, one vote. That is the type of person that people would be voting for. Uh, and, and not only that, he's leveraged by Liz Cheney because Liz Cheney is the one that recorded him in the you know, after January 6th, recording him saying, oh, I'm going to ask the president to resign. Remember that? Yeah. What other recordings does Liz Cheney have?
1: And he's also shown that similar behavior just recently with the uh, omnibus bill by not, you know, standing up to that. So The omnibus bill, I mean, they could have done a complete, they, they could have
0: just had people uh, slow roll that.
1: Yeah, for, for a few for weeks. For two weeks. Yeah.
0: You know, have just assigned people, hey, you got the next two hours. You know, yeah. what is that called? Uh, the the filibus, filibuster. filibuster yeah. And same thing in the Senate, but whatever. Didn't do that. Not a fighter. Why, why should we vote for him? And not only that, not for not being fired, the dude's untrustworthy.
1: Yeah, my Substack
0: that. series talks about the whole list of all of his issues. So let's go back to 2015 when he bounced out of the race for being the Speaker of the House. It's because another Congress member called him out on uh, extramarital affair. Well, how many has he had since then? Yeah. What about the FTX money that he received yeah. massive yeah. Money
1: from That's Ryan you.
0: Salami? Right, you probably looked into that.
1: Yep. What about
0: the what about this new guy, George Santos?
1: Yeah, I know George. I I've met him. Yeah, there, there's a lot under the rug. I, I so w- do you know where it stands? I mean, I heard Gates this morning and on and Panula Luna saying that she's not going to vote. Wait, Luna said that. What she said was that she's not going to vote for anyone who does not support re- restoring vacating? vacating the chair. Oh
0: yeah. yes, what that was brand that's brand new. Yeah. So now we're at. 14 publicly, we have 14 members now publicly basically saying directly or indirectly, they're not voting for Kevin. But they're doing it in a way that's a little bit more, you know, provides a more top cover by doing that. Saying right. it's it's forcing Kevin into, into motion to vacate the chair. Here's the reality that if he agrees to motion to vacate the chair, they're gonna vacate him. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's gonna be the one vacated like that as soon as he agrees to it. And he course, knows I think your
1: your previous point that he's not trustworthy is, uh, you know, no matter what he says, he'll say anything right now. So, right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. He's
0: probably offering, you know, he's asking, hey, so what do you want for you to, you know, for your vote?
1: Yeah, and then yeah, he promises yeah. the
0: same thing to 10 people. Oh, you want to be that, the judiciary chairman, Jim yeah. Jordan? Okay, I promise. Oh, wait, you, Anna Luna, also want to be the chair of judiciary? Yeah. Got it. What about you? Uh, uh Who else? Matt Gates, right? Judiciary chair. Yeah. He's promising probably 10 people, 20 people, whatever they want. But then they talk to each other, so they realize. Uh, seriously, who are you going to trust? So
1: What's well, going to be I'm an exciting Kevin. week for sure? The votes on the third, right? Am I right? Yeah, the votes
0: on Tuesday, and and I'm I'm seeing momentum. right? I, mm-hmm. I hopefully me and National File, if you if, you know National File, right? Yeah, yeah, I know them. Yeah, Noel Frisch. Uh, Fritch, he, he's doing. They're doing amazing reporting. on They're breaking all the all the stories as as it applies to this, uh, because they're I mean they're contacting folks and asking, hey, where are you stand? Where do you stand on these issues? Yeah. And luckily, you know, as there's public pressure and knowledge and understanding and education that we're providing with this discussion, and I've been on like 20 podcasts over the last several weeks, uh, it's really getting people aw- like they're they're awoke now in the sense that before everyone was saying in the conservative ink media, you know, faux news, et cetera, yeah. news, you know, faux news, news vax. Oh, he's the presumptive speaker of the house and he's calling himself speaker elect. No, no, it, it doesn't work that way, Kevin. And as there was yesterday and today, you're starting to hear that Kevin McCarthy, even in, in phone news, I heard last night, somebody called me today. Uh, last night that there was two people saying that Kevin doesn't have the votes.
1: Yeah, obviously he doesn't on the first vote. It just depends on what happens later, I guess. You know, uh, we'll see. No, according to Bob Good,
0: he's gonna have less votes if he stays in for the second one. And then even less after that, because you have the core five that are going to say, you know what? Yeah, we're going to body check you and say, yeah, you don't have the votes. Put it that puts you at 217.
1: What What about Once this threat of Democrats?
0: those five come forward? Yeah. Then the second round, if, if this is if Kevin stays in, then you're going to see your Anna Luna Paulina Luna. Mm-hmm. And then the other Lauren Boebert and the other seven that said motion to vacate the chair is a red line. So that's nine plus the five. What do we at? 14. That's 14 votes in the second round less. Yeah. And then Bob Good said that there's actually more like 20. So by the third round, another six are going to jump on board and then probably fourth round another. What is it? There was 36 total that didn't vote for Kevin in the in, in conference vote. Right. They're going to start coming out of the woodwork. And that's
1: he's going to he's going to about I don't see a path for him. There is no path for Kevin McCarthy. What's this? uh, Do you understand the threat he's been using uh, about Democrats crossing over and voting? Do you understand the logistics of that? I do.
0: So the argument is, well, in today's arguments, oh, it could be Lizzie Cheney could be the Speaker of the House if it's not Kevin McCarthy. Hmm. How many Democrats are going to vote for Liz Cheney in order to ruin their own career? Yeah. Because they'll get immediately primaried. Right. How many? So how many Democrats are willing to cross over to, to ruin their career? Not more than 5, 10, 15, 20. I mean, as you get more, you see where, where the problem lies? Right. As more Republicans are going to off-board off of Kevin, and if they see him taking Democrat votes, that's going to piss. Think of how many Republicans that's going to piss off. Yeah. And then he's going to get less votes from the Republicans. So I don't see I just don't see a mathematical path like I'm talking statistically not impossible. I just yeah. don't see it because everybody's right. out for themselves. He might get one or two safe Democrats that probably won't have a challenger. But short of that, in a district where even if it's the blue or the district, the more chance that that individual will get primary. That incumbent, because yeah. that's all that the other person needs to run on for that primary next year when these guys are in 2024
1: right right
0: flip that to the republican side how many republicans are going to cross over to vote for a democrat
1: well they definitely uh will be primary for sure
0: okay let's just say four or five people vote for liz cheney five let's say five and then all of the democrats vote for liz cheney is that realistic because that's what it would take mathematically yeah No, I don't like that is so fantastical. It's
1: so why are people like MTG and Steve Cortez and others jumping on that train? You know, because Kevin McCarthy
0: asked them to use that argument because that's the only argument that they they have. Yeah. And they have the media to do it. And they're seeing that that argument is, is collapsing. And like a lot of people are going against me and say, hey, man, President Trump already endorsed Kevin McCarthy. I'm like, I got it. With all due respect, Mr. President, as commander in chief, it is my obligation to give you what's known as Commander's Critical Information Requirements, right, CCIR. SSI. It's like, hey, this is what you're dealing with, Kevin, that you may not have been aware of. And that's why I'm creating this report on Substack, going line by line of each of the 13 adjudicative guidelines that puts him at risk to our national security, our interests, brings discredit to uh, the party, the conference, and the house of representatives at a time when we just, we just had how many years of discredit disrepute with Nancy Pelosi. I mean, we, we, we got to come in strong bold
1: and really remedy our constitutional crisis. It's not coming from Kevin McCarthy. And, you know, unfortunately it's not coming from Trump either because his, his personnel decisions are not the greatest over time. That's his Achilles heel. And I don't know why that is. If it's, well, he it's so bad much advice, letter, right. What's that? Here's the problem. You have an entrenched system of decades
0: of, right? Kevin McCarthy's been in the system for decades. Mitch McConnell for more than that. Uh, like Both parties have been in the system for decades. You got President Trump coming in with a handler on his back the entire time. Mike Pence, yeah. right? Yeah. That's jamming down the interests of that duopoly day in and day out. Stopping and blocking him from receiving pertinent information and then only teeing up information that is of interest to the uniparty, party. Yeah. And that's why they were so vocal. Like, Oh, he doesn't need to be talking to the outs, his outside advisors. That's the only way he gets a like a finger on the pulse of what's going on. And you know, that's why Twitter was so important. Cause you could see the discussion, the conversation, uh, you know, yeah. up until 2018. And then they started censoring uh, at scale in 2018. And then even more so in 2020, but, Yeah, never Kevin, basically. And now Anna Luna, Polina Luna is coming out. Uh, Yeah, I think they're starting to realize once you're starting to hear grumblings on phone news that he's not going to be the speaker, he's not going to be speaker. Because once he does that, uh, he's lost his establishment base of support. It's gone. They realize uh, it now, too.
1: Anna, Anna Polina Luna said that the whole Fox lineup went against McCarthy today. I don't know if that's true or not. That's what she said this morning. Oh, oh wow.
0: So he's done. He's toast. So yeah. now they're trying to they're trying to hurriedly figure out who it's going to be
1: somebody that they can control. And I already
0: already did that analysis. I, I was on a podcast yesterday laying it out. I have uh, reasonably speaking with you know a reason to back each one of them. Let's see here. One, two members of Congress and then four. I say two members. Two transitioning members and then t- uh, another non-member. Let's go through the list. I think the the if we go to predict it, actually, it's probably got Steve Scalise up there right now. Let's go take a look. You know, predict it?
1: I know it, yeah.
0: So, predict it. Yeah, so right now it's 71, McCarthy, 18, Scalise. Oh, eight eight for Jim Jordan. He just shot up. Four for Elise Stefanik, and then one for Trump. Okay, let's take a look here. Let me go back to where we were. Streamyard. The uh, I'm going to take you step you through the most conventional path to the most unconventional path, but with all of them being lawful, constitutional, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So when you look at the Republican leadership in the conference, Steve Scalise, the majority leader, he was elected by unanimous vote of 222, uh, when they voted November 15th, that would be the safe choice that I think would resonate with folks. Uh, it's not the ideal choice for the freedom caucus, but I think as long as he goes with vacate the chair, uh, it'll, they'll go along with it. Here's the problem with that. Steve Scalise has to accept it. Yeah. He's given no indication that he wants that. And I get it. Even if he does, he's going to play under the radar. So we got to factor that in. And uh, number two, what if he says, I'm only going to do it, but I'm not going to do motion to vacate the chair. He then now is in the same problem as Kevin McCarthy. Mm-hmm. So then who's next? <laughs> Somebody way more favorable to the Freedom Caucus. A guy by the name of Jim Jordan.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Here's the problem with that. Jim Jordan has been speaking with all the whistleblowers from the FBI, right, DOJ. As chair of the judiciary, he is the best person suited in our entire nation to take on the DOJ based on the historical context and everything he's done up to this point. Uh, We need him there. We need him as the chair of the judiciary. Like, like that, I think that's might be even more important (laughs) that he's there. So then if he stays there and he just says like, no, because he's, you know, I get it in private and then in semi-private and then in public he has indicated that he does not want to be the speaker. If he maintains that after Kevin McCarthy drops off or, and or like Steve Scaliff dro- drops off, then uh, like we have to find someone else. Well, who's that someone else? I think the next logical one that's probably being discussed is Lee Zeldin.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So Lee Zeldin is on his way out. He's finishing up his term. He's got told the third to be a, uh, a representative officially because he lost his governor. You know, uh, the governor's race was called the sure. opponent. And, uh, you know, we've already talked about this. I think everybody now already realizes it doesn't have to be a member. Right. Right. Because uh, early on when I was doing these things, I had to educate people first that it doesn't have to be a member of Congress. I think we've gotten way past that. Everybody Right. Knows sure. that that's that's the case. So then Lee Zeldin, you know, I think the Freedom Caucus would be favorable for him. It allows Jim Jordan to continue on to be the chair of the judiciary, and every you know, and basically it keep most of the promises that McCarthy had already put in place, but all but allowing for the motion to vacate the chair. Sure. And he, the way I see it, Lee Zeldin's been helped by like the party across the board, whether it's the you know the super rhinos like Kevin, all the way to the Freedom Caucus, and he's not a bomb thrower, more measured, right, moderated. Yeah, free interaction where I think he would, he he. he I think he gets to 218.
1: Hmm.
0: And honestly, based on his interactions on Twitter and his publicly facing statements since, uh, you know, he was talking about you know, Ronald Romney needs to be removed. Yeah, he's vying for something. Now, if Speaker, and he doesn't get it. Then he, I suspect he jumps into the RNC race last minute hmm. as an RNC chair.
1: Yeah, uh, we heard this morning that Rana doesn't have enough votes on the first vote as of now, as of today. Okay, so that's, yeah, I, did,
0: I, I haven't been following that. I was going to focus on that after Tuesday, after the right, speaker's race. Uh, but that's good to hear. I mean, that's a, that's a strong indication. My ideal for that race is going to be, uh, remember, it's, it's chair and co-chair. So Tommy Hicks is not going to be running for re-election, for co-chair. So then it has to be a man and a woman or vice versa. For those top two seats. I think the best case scenario is going to be. Uh, uh, Mike Lindell. Hmm. And Harvey. Yeah.
1: You
0: know, whatever it turns out. I, my gut, like I support Mike. But I realize. That right now, based on my discussions. It looks like Harvey. Has. At least, you know. Last week or so when I was talking. Harvey has the support probably. Uh, more to be chair. As opposed yeah, you know, she's running for chair. But I think Mike Lindell is in it just to, like, he's in it not Pick for up. a particular position, but to effect change yeah. in a positive way. And I think he would be willing to take that co chair role uh, because he would have a seat at the table. And you know his personality. It really doesn't matter <laughs> what title you have, his personality would be so overwhelming as long yes. as he has a seat at the table to affect the necessary change
1: that you know what comes with a Mike Lindell. <laughs> well, the GOP is fighting this big time. You know, I'm on the Miami Dade Republican Executive Committee, and uh, the, the the grassroots does not want Rona, but the the, the leadership of the party definitely does. So it, it's going to be a fight. Are you going to be there January twentieth? Uh, I, well, I can't vote. I mean, I've made my feelings known. Put it that way. Um, So I'm actually. I alternate. mean, right
0: now it's a civil war within the party. Uh, yeah. I think I think, had it not been for the censorship, we would easily be taking over the party. But that's how they've been able to survive. I don't think they survived because, like you said, with your numbers that you just told me, I'm going to yeah. use that as a as a data point on future podcasts. Like we're winning in the information landscape now. Yeah, because we have the platforms to do so. The Rumbles, the Truth, the Rumbles, or excuse me, Rumble Truth, the Getters, right? To be able yeah, to get there,
1: you know we've opened paper. We have the Miami Independent, the Georgia Record. They've been very impactful uh, in the fight. So you know awesome. we're opening yeah. papers. So you,
0: I mean, your your stuff gets to some consequential figures in our movement too, you know, and they're they're yeah. reposted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I I catch it sometimes too. So that 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 that's Lee Zeldin. Now, if Lee Zeldin doesn't play out, remember, pace plan for everything: primary, alternate, contingency, emergency. You know, my time as a Green Beret, you always got to Plan for every single. Well, the other side happened.
1: obviously has planned for a long time, so they've got all this mapped out too. So yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah.
0: So, but at the same time, they're not as smart as you think. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I interact with a lot of these <laughs> these guys. Uh huh. So they come to me. I I get like asked, "Hey, what do you think? What should should we do?" And I'm like, "Hey, here's what I'm thinking." And then hopefully I'll send this recording to them and say, "Hey, listen to this." <laughs> but uh. No, because I, they got to worry about all these panoply of issues. I'm focused on one singular issue, trying to basically come out as the expert, specifically as it applies to the Speaker race, uh, along with like national file and some others. So if it's not Lee Zeldin, now we start getting into a little bit more unconventional. I, I'd say those four are in the conventional realm, wouldn't you say? Like that's more yeah, yeah. acceptable for the whole political ecosystem to to take. Sure, it. they're they're all doable. The next one uh, gets into the more unconventional, and this is where I start to like it. (laughs) Devin Nunes needs to be the Speaker of the House so that Jim Jordan can continue on judiciary. And then Devin Nunes can body check the entire national security state and apparatus with all of his collective knowledge that he has. And then if Devin comes in, you know what? if he doesn't pick me as as the uh, sergeant at arms, he definitely needs to bring in Cash Patel to be the sergeant at arms. Here's what he can do from that position. Remember, he was the chair of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. Devin was, or, and uh, Cash was a staffer. Yeah, They already came out with, they were the first ones to expose all the illegal FBI stuff, the defrauding the FISA court. So they know this stuff Way better than I do, why not? Right? Like they had access to the whole thing, and we yeah. just found out yesterday that Devin's staff was under FBI espionage as well. Of and course. the reason why they did that was that
1: I said, Of course, yeah,
0: it was they wanted to find dirt so that it would stop them from investigating the FBI. You see that, yeah, the game. And the reason why he was not informed that his staff was being investigated is because the National Security Division was also spying on Devin, a member of the Gang of Eight. So you think he's going to do something as Speaker of the House to correct that? Do you think his time as CEO of Truth is going to help inform him and go down the right rabbit holes to identify specifically who at every single big tech company was working with over at the FBI, DOJ and any other intelligence community and national security actors. Oh yeah. I'd be happy to pro bono help that effort. (laughs) Oh yeah. So Devin Nunes, I think is going to be, that's like best case scenario. And I think that's still, remember if none of these people want it, And I've been hitting up Devin like almost every day last few few days, trying to convince him to like, just, hey, just think about it. Just think about it (laughs) if it comes to it. And then the last thing is uh, this is the ideal. The ideal situation, and you can kind of see the hint based on my name here. Yeah, of course. Trump needs to become speaker uh, just temporarily. And during that tenure, whether it's two and a half weeks, or however long it takes it's it's there for him to move the nation from tds to trs trump derangement syndrome to trump reinstatement syndrome and people are like what are you talking about well he's already been reinstated on twitter why because he didn't violate anything right, 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 right. and then having the platform of being the speaker of the house he's going to be able to rebut everything that occurred to him to include going after mike pence uh christopher ray ag Barr, comey Mueller, McCabe, Lisa Page, Peter Strzok, Joe Pianka, uh, this guy Elvis Chan, the entire apparatus that went after him from the deep state, again by name, date, time, place, location, and transgression, which I have the list as well to kind of tee it up. But for him to rebut in a court of public opinion, because he's going to have C SPAN 1, 2, and 3, and Truth Social, and apparently. Elon's going to allow it probably on Twitter and you and I are going to amplify that right side broadcasting network, right? Not only C-SPAN 1, 2, and 3, you're going to have live streaming 24-7 every single day across the 24 house committees, the four joint committees, the new China committee, the new first amendment reinstatement committee that's going to be created. So then we have 30 committees just churning out content 24-7. For the public to hear and see, to then see that it will discredit big media, it will discredit big tech, all the lies over the last six years. And I think that moves the nation from orange man bad to big tech and big media worse. Yeah. And then as we get them to that, you know, basically seeing what we've already researched, you know, the critical thinkers have done. Uh, I get it. Some people are busy; they're just, you know, mesmerized by phone news and news vax. We're gonna get them, also.
1: Sure. And that's already happening, especially with the deadly vaccines and then the whole, you know. Yeah, yeah. You see the change crap. on Twitter. Yeah. Like that. Yeah.
0: And then all the fine. So I think we get to a point where there are a couple of paths to reinstatement. And I get it; they're scared, and they're, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a theorist, this and that, but they've never addressed my arguments. The J6 cover-up committee, afraid to cover it. They also investigated me. Uh, They asked General Flynn about me. They asked, uh, who's the other guy, Garrett Ziegler, who testified about me. Uh, Obviously, they're all pleading the fifth because, like, they're not going to play their stupidity. Uh, I think Roger Stone uh, (laughs) was asked about me. I mean, I don't know why they're asking. Why don't they just come to me and ask me? Yeah. The reason why they don't come and ask me is because when they look at my body of work and they investigated in me, the things that I bring up is what forced that electoral college amendment that you talked about. That I forgot yeah. to answer that sure. question. Sorry. Finally got to that. Uh because my articulated path was it was clear, concise, it was strictly you know, within the framework of the electoral count act where I I showcased what Pence was obligated to do. He failed to do it. Thus the violation. And that's why, you know, a lot of people were calling him traitor because he didn't do his constitutional duty. Now that's straight. Up how sure. it is. And so that's why with with Trump as speaker, the entire globe, mean, think about it. More people will watch politics, and will watch C-SPAN if Trump is at, at the center of it. Right. Yeah. And more people will have to report on it. So that, that's the faster way to correct, you know, for the good of the country. It gets the country reset in facts, as opposed to this mesmerizing fake. Like, everything's been already debunked. The Russia thing. Even guys from, uh, was it the, the BuzzFeed folks that, that started that? Like, there's employees, at, senior employees at BuzzFeed that I've heard about. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we messed that one up. So what are you going to do? The whole Hunter Biden story, right? Twitter follows. It's all coming out. Sure, it's all coming out. So I think we need to constitutionally reinstate them. and I I think we do it through the not only you know the rebuttal process, nullifying impeachment hoax one because that was all predicated on lies. Nullify the legitimacy of the Mueller investigation that was all predicated on unlawful you know fruits of a poisonous tree and lies. Nullify the whole Ukraine call because that was also predicated great yeah. consequences for each of those actors Eric Caramella the whistleblower his two attorneys they need to be disbarred right mark zed and uh, and uh and uh mr bagage so all these people need to face consequences and then also the members of congress that were complicit in it so as it applies to the j6 stuff nancy pelosi ethics complaint censure criminal referral expulsion from congress The impeachment managers from the two impeachment hoaxes, same thing. Ethics complaint, censure, uh, criminal referral, expulsion from Congress. The two remaining impeachment voters, unless they do something to apologize and make massive public statements and actually participate in the nullification vote of the impeachment that they voted in on, that might be the only circumstance where I consider salvaging their their career and livelihood. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, If they don't, censure, ethics complaint, criminal referral, expulsion from Congress. Okay? While that's going on in the House, we have a lot of committees that can be busy. How about Jim Jordan? Or we create a separate committee that just focuses on the hundreds of articles of impeachment. On Sheeden and Harris. Yeah. And that is going to be used as the platform to expose the China money, the 10 percent for the big guy, the all the everything that we you and I know that that the country needs to learn. OK, we use that platform to do so. And then once those articles of impeachment are sent over to the Senate, along with impeachment managers, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Jim Jordan, Jim's going to be busy. <laughs> Andy, uh, Andy Biggs, Paul Gosar, Matt Gates, Clay Higgins, who else is going to be nice?
1: Uh, right. I'd have to go down the list. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I think that's a good start, right? <laughs> so well, then, look, I mean, it's going to be exciting few weeks. Yeah, yeah. So even if the Senate doesn't get to it, uh, cause you know, the makeup, they're going to basically say, no, no, we're just, we're not going to hold the trial. We're just going to dismiss it. So even if they dismiss it, the whole process of doing that educates the country so that it politically forces the state legislatures to reclaim their electors, right? That's mm-hmm. one aspect whether it's Arizona, whether it's, right, Georgia, whether it's Wisconsin, getting us to, what, 37 electoral votes, bringing it down to 269. At that point, creating the contingent election under the 12th Amendment. Hmm. The other option, because now that we have the majority, right, both by delegation, 28 to 22, state delegation, and then 222 to 212,
1: there's one. I think you're going to have some people flip, too. Hopefully, we'll see in Congress, yeah. Flip, you know what I mean? Uh, From flip party, I mean maybe after this, this time, is all maybe, disclosed. Well, in the next few months, I should say. I mean, well,
0: there's only hopefully. one special election, February 21st, in the yeah. congressional district in uh in uh, Virginia. But even if nothing changes, once all of this is aired out, I really think that the Speaker of the House, Trump, can preside over his 12th Amendment reinstatement because you know, aside from the impeachment stuff, that's going to showcase that the election was absolutely just illegitimate. Because we're going to talk about the the details of November 3rd, the January 6th illegal certification. So once that's all exposed, I argue that the House now, now that they know that what was done on January 6th, where over 90% of the House was not able to participate, the Speaker needs to allow the full body to participate and now determine lawfully under the 12th Amendment which states that they're going to object to and thus flicking out 37 plus electoral votes. See how wow. that is out? And that's even without the states decertifying.
1: I haven't thought that through as in depth as you're presenting it. So that that's fascinating. So I'm going to be heavily
0: involved in making sure that we convince you know, educate, articulate, because it is, you know, once once you see it, it's like, oh, wow, that is a path. It's a bold path, but we need a wartime speaker to remedy. You know, what did they just do to us? Total, like, bold, illegal, just raw lawlessness.
1: Yeah, completely. And
0: our, our path is bold but lawful.
1: Well, Ivan, um I want to have you back on as this approaches. Where, where can people uh find out what you're writing? I know, tell us about your sub stack, your social media, all that.
0: Yeah, my sub stack is Ivanrakeland.substack.com. Just my last, uh, I, first and last name. Uh, it's basically going by the moniker Deep State Marauder. Mm-hmm. And the main focus and theme of my sub stack is to expose government corruption. You know, whatever you want to call it. Deep State, the Uniparty, Duopoly. But it's going into specifics. Mm-hmm. Individual, what they did, or maybe the link analysis of what they did. You got to remember my background, right? Yeah. I'm bringing that to the table. Yeah, uh, I think that's my my value prop. You know, for those that subscribe, it's essentially uh, you're. I'm bringing in a perspective that I, I don't know of many people that are publishing out there that have a quarter of a century in the national security ecosystem, intel, special ops, right? Yeah. And the legal aspect. Uh, I can't think of another. Per- if you can find someone, uh, I'd like to collaborate with them. But there's very few people that have all kind of like those three or four components together to give a different perspective an analytic perspective on something and you know obviously I have the the network and, and and reach and and access down the road to uh dc well
1: if if all uh competent veterans took it to the extent that you have we'd be in a much better place oh. <laughs> you know we'd
0: never be we wouldn't yeah. have issues right now yeah just be like yeah. smooth nice yeah. and smooth and then uh China would not be doing what they're doing to us
1: because it, yeah, it's, we've it's already a, identified it through the cartels, which is one of my major concerns because you know they're they're basically just took Brazil, and that's a cartel threat of violence situation, and the same's coming here unless we remedy very quick,
0: yeah, we have a criminal cartel right now, the yeah. the executive branch is completely captured, yeah, uh, and we need to speak like I said, we need a legislature with a strong speaker in the house, a wartime, yeah. And I just don't, I, I don't see Scalise doing it. I don't see, uh, we need Jim Jordan where he's at. I don't see Lee Zeldin, you know, really going aggressive. Uh, it's really Trump. And then after his reinstatement, then that's when Devin picks up and takes over the speakership to for the remainder of the two years to really have at it so that we can, you know, with Trump reinstated and then with Devin in office, we have literally a two-pronged. You know, we have the frontal assault and then the side assault from two branches of government to clean out the entire right. executive branch that's been captured. And I think that that's the path to where I think by 20, the mid 2024. Because of, of the uh, the next fiscal budget with the new speaker, we can really for fiscal year 2024, we can completely delete and remove all funding from all these illegal yeah Uh, executive branch that's what they're worried about that's why we have the debt ceiling hammer too that's why they passed the budget to buy time until september 30th 2023 Uh, but with the next budget with this new speaker of the house that's where we're going to have impact and shape change by not even including it in the budget and if they don't like it then the whole government gets shut down
1: well we also have the debt ceiling as a hammer that they couldn't get rid of in this new session so ivan thank you i appreciate it there's ways uh,
0: there's ways to fix this we just need bold leadership and it's on us to push them into it or do it ourselves.
1: Completely agree. So I want to have you back after the vote and we'll talk more. About the RNC chair race. (laughs) That too.
0: Yeah.
1: Everything. Sounds good, man. Hey, thanks for the opportunity, Todd. Cheers. Bye. All right. Bye.